0: Hey, let's go, let's go! It's 10 o'clock, Mary's tapping her watch. So, um, and you don't want to, I mean, my experience is you don't want to disagree with Mary. That's been one of the things I've learned over the years. Almighty God and Lord, we beg you now, come to us with all your power and help us who are anxious and troubled. Send us your helper and your savior, that he may enter our hearts with light that illumines our night. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. I know it's like starting over. I haven't seen you in a hundred years. But thanks for all the good stuff in between. And thank you to the vicar for filling in, Pastor Nelson and all that. So, a range of things uh, to do today. Get to know each other again, figure a few things out, find out where we are, and uh, sort of go from there. Let's give money to Spain. This is the kind of high-level communications I get as senior pastor. (laughs) Let's give money to Spain. Smiley face. So give money to Spain. Uh, That's good. We can give money to Spain. That's nice. A bunch of things to think about. It is Advent 1. As you know, things are purple, and it's a nice time of year. Remember, we'll buy you dinner on Wednesday at 6. It's a very nice time to bring your friends. Dinner will be fabulous, as it always is. Thanks in advance to the crew of people who always put that together for us. It's very, very nice. Thank you for that. And so 6 o'clock dinner, and then 7 o'clock today, and you can be on your way by 7.30 or so. Okay. All good with that? So come to church a little bit extra. Uh, Tend your giving. It's the end of the year. Um, but this is a little like telling your kids to be sure they come home, but they always come home early. So the capital campaign is nine months old, 80% of the money is in the bank. Uh, that's a startling kind of number. Um, the only way I could say nicer things to you is if 100% of the money was in the bank. So, but nevertheless, I love you just as you are. Why would I try to change you? Uh, so you're wonderful, thank you very much. There are a range of projects <laughs> that are going on. Uh, feel free to comment to me about the lights downstairs in a nice way with a smile. <laughs> Under 60 seconds. Um, there's a range of, of things that have happened. I, I can tell you broadly, we have, these are the things we have going right now. We're trying to get new doors. You notice we put a video doorbell on. Soon we're gonna go to a buzz-in only system. The balcony's been closed. Um, that's a security safety issue and also a uh, keep the space dedicated issue. We have new speakers coming. The, you know, the real challenge for John Crow is to figure out whether he wants to try to get those in before Christmas. That could mean Christmas Eve could be fabulous, or cranky. So uh, they should be. Everybody who looks at the design says this is spectacular. We can't wait. But trying to get things to work, and then you know the downstairs lights too. Here's what you should know about the projects. We're trying to do this as efficiently and cheaply as possible on every project that John has managed so far, he's come in 10 to 30% under the approved budget, the budget approved by the governing board, okay? So that's fabulous. (laughs) However, the other side of that is John is doing a lot of things. So for example, all the speaker stuff, he worked for a couple of months to figure this all out, work with some people and order the stuff over the internet in order to save thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on it. But that means that things don't work so smoothly. It's the same for the lighting. Just so you know we ordered the lighting back in June. It came in November, right? We ordered six to demonstrate we got one you know there 's all these things that if you don 't pay somebody in the middle, you know five or ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, it takes us longer because I didn't go to contractor school so it 's harder, but when it happens, then um you know there might be a bump and a nudge. So, for example, in the first service, you have these beautiful new microphones. So the choir sound great, right? Yes. Yeah, better than ever. Partly because they stand in front, partly because they're really good people, partly because they stand in front of the organ, partly because they have these new microphones. Well, in the first service, the microphone's learning, right? Just a little too close together, so we were getting that feedback. I thought it was from us. It was actually from those two. Pulled them apart, and it was fabulous, right? So, and the music, and were you okay with the old liturgy? Did that work okay? So we don't know. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, <laughs> let's not get too enthusiastic, okay? Uh, but, you know, we're going to do that 10 weeks a year. We always do it in Advent and Lent. You know, whether we should do it a month or two in the summer, yeah, I don't know. Um, but in any case, you can let me know about that, as I'm sure that you will. So uh, <laughs> tend your normal giving, uh, and, you know, even the tax strategies about people are lumping their giving into different years because of the way the tax code is written. Yeah, whatever. Jesus knows what's cooking, and so do we. we, can, we don't, we're on a fiscal year. It doesn't really matter to us. But tend your giving, your normal giving, your capital campaign giving. Thank you for tending it. Things are very good, and it's because of you. They're very good. There's five or six projects down from eight or nine projects. When these get knocked out, there'll be a couple more on the way. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But. Let me know, or if you have questions about how things worked out. I'm always optimistic, and I always get it wrong. I always say to you, which light do you like? And then the first thing somebody says to me is, why didn't you get the light that I liked? To which I say, Ugh, uh, it didn't, you know. So, um, yeah, I get that. Or, you know, when, if we ever do something in the sanctuary, change the paint or do the ceiling or something else, kind of finish the job. Um, there may be, so we'll just have to talk about that as we go. All right, questions about any of that just quickly? Last thing that's really, really important is Christmas sharing. You have the schedule on your tables. There are more schedules back there. You're really good at this. Uh, I don't know, we're around 130 families or something, as I recall. Lots of people came last week. We need lots of people this week to make life good. Uh, You've been very generous with money and clothes and soap and food and all those sorts of things. So that's been a really, really nice thing. But, and we're grateful, but Carol needs the help uh, because it's a lot of. She's the one. She's the face of this and responsible. So, please, please come and help. Questions about Christmas sharing or anything, Carol? It's not me that needs the help. Does everybody else helping <laughs> <not really> <laughs> me. <laughs> I've made that mistake so many times when I've talked to you over the years, Carol. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I got you. They'll come back next year. That's right. So it's all. Uh, we want to put a good face on it for the, for the community and all the rest. Uh, let's see. It's a short outline, but I'm gonna I'm gonna in, I'm gonna try to outfox you so that you don't say at the end he never gets done. So I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try some sleight of hand here, by starting with uh, by starting at the end. Let's see if I can figure this out. Okay. Hold on a second. Let's see. That means this should go over here. You have a one-page sheet which I gave you long ago about the Lord's Prayer. This one says number four, right? Do you, do you remember remember this? Um, the vicar did a nice job with the Lord's Prayer. I just want to say a couple of things. I actually want to tell you from my own experience how I pray this. Um, sometimes it becomes, it can be for days, almost the only pray, prayer that I pray now. And... Um, so uh, it, it has a great possibilities to keep you interested. How's your, just on the side, how's your prayer going? Like, are you getting the five words in a couple times a day? I read this very interesting article, but I want to, I got to check it because it's internet article, so I'm never quite sure if, I hadn't heard of the scholar who did it, but there was a study from the Stanford Design School that came out. The title was, let's see, Design Trump's Willpower. Any of you see that? The title of this article is "Design Trumps Willpower." Here's the basic idea: None of you floss your teeth, right? I mean, don't make to your make me come to your house and check. But you floss your teeth, really? Yeah. This is what people. This is the kind of thing that people say in church. Yeah. That's the that's and that's the other thing that people say in church, right? There's always a guy who says, wait, and then somebody else says, you're lying about that, okay. (laughs) How about this? More of you should floss. How about that? That can't be wrong, right? So they did this little experiment about how to get people to floss more, which you're going to recognize immediately. You know how you can get people to floss more? You actually take the dental floss out and put it by the sink so that when you come in the night... It's there already, and you've overcome the obstacle. This could take 14 seconds of you opening and taking the floss out, see? Design trumps willpower. Design trumps willpower, right? So you have to set things up. You've heard this in another iteration by whether or not when you start a new job you're enrolled in the 401k or you have to enroll. If they automatically enroll you, nobody ever misses the money, and they have money at retirement. Because why? People take the path of least resistance. If they don't enroll you, you never enroll. Right? I know some of you do. I mean, you did, but... it goes a flossing. There's a correlation, if not a causation. So, um, the point of all this is, and this is, comes from the Stanford Design School. Basically, the Stanford Design School gave you the mouse, the iPhone, you know, all, they sit around and say to themselves, how can we solve problems or annoyances, or how can we make life better? Right? So, this goes directly, of course, to prayer, which is the old thing about you need a time and a place, right? If you're going to light a candle during your prayer, you should probably put the candle and matches out. Or if you need a reminder for you should probably put the candle and matches out next to your bed so you remember to do it, right? So I've tried to give you... Uh, nevertheless, you know, I can't um, kiss your wife for you, and I can't go to work for you, and I can't say your prayers for you. You're on your own at some point. <laughs> so you've got to say your own prayers. Um you know, for the mild reason that Jesus asked you to do it. But he's sort of like, come on, we're in this together, friends. And just to get you going to that, just these simple things of saying thank you for Jesus or bless me, Jesus, or remember my spouse, Jesus, or forgive me, Jesus. If you can just get that mustered up twice a day, you begin to set the boundaries and push the demons back. And you begin to strengthen yourselves in ways that you don't know. I want to try to encourage you to pray a bit more, and I want to try to do that without shaming you or making you feel bad about it, About it, because prayer, as we talked about, is this wonderful, dazzling thing that gets more and more difficult the more you do it, because you're basically poking the devil in the eye, and he will come to get you. Now, you have to remember the f- next thing about that, which is that, of course, Jesus has won the day already, and your temporary pain of being attacked will only strengthen you. And I think I can work that for you out of the Lord's prayer, we'll see. But I would love for you to increase your design even if you don't have the willpower for this. So, you know, put out your dental floss tomorrow morning or tonight when you go, or today when you go home and then also, you know, sort of write yourself a sticky note on the mirror that you should say in Our Father. Um, you'll change the world. I can't promise you'll change your own life because your own life may get worse because as Luther said once when he baptized a baby, hey, we haven't done this kid any favors. When you pray, you put a big target on yourself. The demonic is coming for you, right? You're going to cause yourself troubles in some measure, but you're also going to cause blessing, you know, as Jesus says, you know, 10 and 5 and um, 2 times more, 100-fold, you know, 30 and 50 and 100. So I just want to encourage you to keep going. Just any questions about that? These things, aren't, these things aren't difficult. You, design does, in fact, trump willpower. You just have to, you know, set a time and a space. All right. Um, just a little bit about the Lord's Prayer. There are times in the early church uh, when people hung all their prayers into the Lord's Prayer, even in the course of liturgies. But I want to try to tell you about um, how I think about this when I pray myself. And then this may or may not work for you. And, you know, we'll, we'll um, see. Kind of an overriding thing that I've often talked about with you, but I'm not going to talk today, is basically this idea that the Lord's Prayer is not about you. So, you know, one way to pray, pray it is, you, Father, right? Um, you're hallowed, Your name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, on earth, you give us this day. Um, you give us daily bread. You forgive us. Um, you don't lead us into temptation. You um, uh, deliver us from evil. Yours, kingdom, power, glory, and to you, amen. This is clearly a prayer about God and what God does and not about you. It's very different than our prayers, which is, I want a pony, I want a pony, right? Jesus gives you his prayer. Not to learn from it as a model, but to say it as your own. This is a startling thing. It's new. This is not what rabbis did. Jesus also gives you this relationship that his father is your father. Jesus gives you that relationship individually and collectively. Our father, right? Give us our daily bread. We're all in it together, boys and girls, Right? And um, that is given to you as both a responsibility and a joy because you're praying for yourself and you're praying for other people. There are sometimes in your prayer, so design trumps uh, willpower. There are sometimes when your prayers will come easily, there'll be times when your prayers are extraordinarily difficult. There, there are times when you'll go completely dry and you'll think this has never happened to anybody, but if you poke around a little bit, you find it happens to everybody including um, people who live in the desert and devote their lives to prayer, or people who are extraordinarily mature in their faith. Praying is just, it's, it's hard duty, and one needs to pay attention to it. One of the ways to carry on in the times when it's difficult is to let design trump willpower. And one of the ways, um, one of the things you can do, of course, is set aside a time and a space, But another thing that you can do is have a prayer ready to go, and the Lord's Prayer is such an obvious thing, right? So you have this remarkable thing where you start saying, you start to talk the way Jesus talks, Papa, right? So already you've defined your relationship, and you've defined what the prayer is going to be about. Luther, as dear children talk to their dear father. And um, you can only think of this as the Lord always for you and never against you, according according to your baptism, according to the Holy Supper, according to the fact that you're in Christ. And so this great um, this great notion that, that the Holy Spirit is really an advocate for you, but remember he's your child. Jesus is praised for you. This is my brother and sister. The way Luther prayed. These are your kids. You baptize them. Remember what we say at the end. As this child has now become your child. If you have children, it's the most, um, it's the strongest thing you could say to God when you pray for your children. Uh, When you baptize this child, we prayed, this child has now become your child. So you come into this relationship um, with someone who only cares for your good, right? So our Father, Papa, in heaven, hallowed be your name. So this is terribly important, and I don't know if the vicar did this okay, but if not, um, this is really important. Um, To be holy, or to have holiness, hallowed be your name, so holiness, hallowed is just another way for holy, Um, and how these two things work together in your own life. If you want to be rich, design a fat marker that works. This is not unlike, you know, if you want to be rich, design a sink, that there is a faucet that doesn't leak. Whenever the faucet leaks, I say two things to my kids. This is proof that you can make a million dollars and call Jim Butcher. That's what I say, okay? So um, I gave you a very long explanation, three or four pages of fine print from N.T. Wright, who's a very clear thinker. Not everybody agrees with him about everything. But basically tells you how heaven and earth fit together. And it's really important for you to have this, because otherwise, you have this sense that you're always hoping that God will come down from heaven and intervene and break the laws of the universe and do a miracle and all. Yeah, no, that's not how it works, okay? This is how it works. People have tried to explain forever, from forever, about how God and our world fit together. There's basically three explanations. And I've given you this, you can take it home and read it uh, if the the football is horrible today. Okay? There's three ways. One is that God and everything is the same. That's kind of basic pantheism or animism. It has different, you know, depending on where you are. But basically... You know, this is God and this is God and you're God and the wall is God and God is, you know. It's basically God is everything and everything is God, right? So creature and creator just kind of collapse. They're all the same. That has its own problems, Uh, especially um, what to do with evil and how the world works and all that. Um, There's kind of a, it's called pantheism. There's sort of a, Adjustment in that called panentheism, where people say God isn't everything, but everything is in God. So it's like God is the cosmos and everything is sort of in it. And now people talk about how we have a divine spark in us, right? Yeah, the thing is, is you don't go to bed at night when you camp and say, I really think that mosquitoes have a divine spark. <laughs> you know, you don't say that. You don't say... The cancer cells that are eating up my body, yeah, they're divine. Right? Yeah, there's, there's real problems with this kind of notion that either God is everything or everything is in God. But those are kind of primitive. Uh, well, they can be sort of That's not fair. They can range from primitive to very sophisticated, but neither of them are very satisfying. And that's not the way Christians talk. So that's kind of, you know, out there. Well, everything is God or everything is in God. Okay, kind of the second way to talk about it is deism, which was very popular among the founders of America, right? So deism is that God sort of um, gives everything a start and then walks away, not to be bothered. If you're rich, this is fabulous, because you say, uh, as the Pope, I think Pope Leo, but I don't want to just pin this on, God has given us the papacy, let us enjoy it, right? Right? God has given us the world, let us enjoy it. So, um, you know, that's fabulous. But you know what? If you're lower class or poor or sick or oppressed, slave, not much consolation in that. It doesn't work very well. It doesn't answer a lot of questions. It's not very personal, not very hopeful. Out of this comes all kinds of things like, um, I'm religious, but I don't go to church. Or, um, I'm spiritual, or uh, Gnostic, Da Vinci Code. This all, Da Vinci Code is all bad. Because this world is so horrible that I need to ascend to another world by knowing secrets, by doing special things. Even Plato is this way. This is, um, your skin is your problem. But your someday your spirit will ascend. Okay, still with me? Now, none of those are what you believe. None of this is what Christians believe. But one of the problems for Christians is Christians think about heaven as being this place up here. Of course, you could be forgiven for thinking this because, you know, Elijah in that fiery chariot or Jesus ascends into heaven. Well, Jesus is up here. They have a nice condo with a sunset view. And um, they're waiting for you. And so sort of muddle around, folks, and then someday you too. Occasionally, if you're a prayer warrior or if you're really good or if you're just a pain in the butt, You can get God to like break the mold and come down and fix something for you temporarily. So you know, if I guess you could, if you have a leak, you could say I can make a million dollars. You could call Butcher or you could pray about it. Those you have a third option, right? Yeah, no, that's not how it works. Um, You should think of heaven as where God lives, and you should think about Earth as where you live. But guess what? Heaven and earth are intertwined. Yes, there are specificities to where God lives. For example, it's holy. Think about the temple in Jerusalem or the Ark of the Covenant. Where God lives is holy, but it is enmeshed. It is interwoven with. It is right next door to. It is right here. God is here and mercifully so. And so when you say your prayers and beg God to change things, it's not like if you, you, know, you have two tin cans and a string that runs from here you know, up to wherever Jesus ascended to. No, you can turn like this and say, need a little help here. Right? So when God intervenes for you by forgiving your sins or doing a miracle, it's not like some great distance has been covered or you had to wake him up or bring. Man, he is more engaged in your life than you are. Right? We did this all the first week, and now it comes home. God is giving before you ask. He knows before you do. He's listening before you pray. He spends all this time just hoping that you would invite him to be active in your life. He's your next-door neighbor, and he's hoping you'll come over and borrow a cup of sugar. We did this, right? All of that makes your prayers much more consoling, and it sets the stage for the rest of the Lord's Prayer. You all okay with this? You still okay? Did you know this already? Did you learn this like in religion one in college? You didn't really, right? now? I, I mean, I'm, that's a serious question. You know, I don't know what people learn anymore. But you know, basically, you'd have this difference between pantheism and panentheism, deism and Christianity. If you had a, um, you know, sort of somebody who was fair about it. So don't. You can certainly and should think of God as other. You should certainly think of God as more. But you should not think of God as distant. If you think of God as distant, like you're not going to have any Christmas this year. The, The point of Christmas is that God is not distant at all. And that then helps you make sense of the Lord's Prayer. You say, Papa, you live someplace. You live, this is your address, and what's the most important thing about your address is this holy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, you know, if I, we'll do this another day, but you should tuck away that um, name is the, not only the buffer, but the conduit between God and I. It's why the first commandment is don't have any other gods, and the second commandment is don't misuse the name because that's how you get to God. It's why the, this starts. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name because these things are together. It's why when you put the name of God on a baby at baptism, that baby becomes God's child. Where the name is, God is active, God possesses, God is good for you, God loves you, God is here, God is interwoven, God cares, God is merciful because of his name. It's why Jesus says, When you pray, whatever you pray in my name, I will give it to you. Right? So you've you sort of busted through about two years of seminary education and you've only gone this far Papa my life's a wreck you're holy my life is chaos yours is ordered my life is sorrow yours is joy right you're holy and I'm not you are just sort of set the pace our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come now here's the thing this is a long argument in Scripture, but if you have to reduce the kingdom of God to one word, all right? To one word, not even five, to one word. What is the kingdom of God? Nicely played. Disqualification for being too good. Eh, thank you for playing. Another. Yes. Okay. Although I. Who said that? Actually, that was a very good answer. Yeah. So. Yeah, Hopkins. You're in trouble. <laughs> Um, if you're going to say what's the most important thing about Jesus? It says of course of course it is a perfect answer. But it is also the perfect answer when I have a wrench in a bag and say what's the wrench, right? For a children's sermon. Uh, Jesus. So, you know, <laughs> what's the most important thing about Jesus? Thank you. So what you're praying for is it has a beautiful sound. And look at this. It just took some encouragement. Huh? <laughs> Just a a mild threat, and now (laughs) comes to life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So you're my Father, you care about me, you're right here, you're not distance, you're holy, I'm not, you know what I need? Your kingdom come. The kingdom of God is the forgiveness of sins. It, of course, is everything else that you think about with the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is the forgiveness of sins. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You know what I need most? If I could have one thing, you know what I would ask for? I would ask for forgiveness because then I get everything else. This is just the genie in the bottle question, right? What's the one thing, what's the one wish you ask for? Unlimited fulfilled wishes. Come on. Everybody knows this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now for you who are Lutheran, I'll just put the code word in, Justification. Right? It's hard to believe, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done, right? It's glorious now that this is working. Your will be done, right? Your will be done. right? Now, for those playing at home, this would be sanctification. So make me holy. And then let me live as a holy child of God. This is being forgiven. This is living forgiven. This is the second article of the Creed. This is the third article of the Creed. Right? So, you, nearby, not far away, love me in, even though I'm unlovable. Give me what you've got. Make me holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're asking heaven to come. It's a mimic. Right? Or... If you, what you want is heaven now, heaven on earth. This is why when we go to the liturgy, we talk about heaven comes to earth. This is why when we talk about how Christians treat each other, they treat them, each other in ways that other people don't treat each other. We're different. Why? Because heaven has come to earth, which is God's space has invaded our space. Or make our space look like your space. Make our house, house, house look like your house. Right? With all the decoration and all the ethos and all the joy and all the mercy. Make us like you. That's what you're begging here. You love us. You're here. You're holy. Give us some. Be forgiven. Live forgiven. Be forgiven. Live forgiven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth right now. Right now. As it is in heaven. This is why when people walk into this church, into this congregation, it has to be different. Right? You're different. It has to be different. You beg every day that you would be, that your space would be a mimic of God's space. Right? How you doing so far? You still okay? Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Please share. Your will be done. Help us. On earth as it is in heaven. Now then, um, you ask for beyond that... um, to carry on, and the two stuff the two things you need to carry on as you go day by day are your um, kind of temporal needs. Give us this day our daily bread and your most difficult heavenly need. forgive as we forgive. Right. Everybody is good in theory. It's extraordinarily difficult for us to carry on in practice. You need things that are earthly and heav- heavenly to carry on. Of course, these blur because I think a strong argument can be made that daily bread also has reference, reference to daily Eucharist. But you know that's a whole other class for advanced people who promise not to press... Heresy charges. So, um, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive. And so it goes both ways, right? You've been forgiven, and so you forgive other people. And this is the defining characteristic of our life together that we would forgive. Of course, you know, all these things, you have to pull in everything you've ever learned about this, which means to make, to know what's right and wrong, to make a good confession, to feel contrite about that to receive forgiveness as all gift and to do penance in the proper way, which is like Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, make restitution where you've done wrong. The worst thing about Lutherans is they say, hey, forgive me. I forgive you. And it's like nothing ever happened. Really? Because you need stitches here um, and the thousand bucks back in your wallet. right? Zacchaeus said, do you remember what he said? Jesus comes to his house and then he says, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, I give... Half my money away just as a starter, capital campaign. (laughs) And then four times to everybody I defrauded or something like that. And what does Jesus say? Jesus kind of looks up from his soup and he goes, Wow, salvation has come to this house today. Heaven has come to earth. So, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, two things, and these are often difficult things. um, The notion of temptation and then um, the notion of deliverance. Now, we say this, and people ask... I think, a less helpful question when they ask about, you know, does God leave us? into, you know, So Luther has to come out. God indeed tempts no one. And, of course, scriptures talk the same way. And yet there's Jesus being led by the Spirit at the beginning of Lent into the wilderness where the devil can have a good crack on him. How does that fit together with lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? You might think of it in this way. That you will not, in fact, be tempted beyond your strength. You might think about these together. You won't, in fact, be tempted beyond your strength. It's true. And you will, in fact, be delivered from evil if you will only have it. If I will only have it. So it is a fact that, and you've discovered this if you struggle with your prayers, one of the ways you get better is by being beat up in the course of saying your prayers. In the same way, um, when you're tempted and it doesn't destroy you, um, then in fact, it makes you stronger and wiser for the next time. We learn, you know, by sorrows. And, you know, this is what, you know, I'm old enough uh, that now to the younger guys, I not only say get off my lawn, but I found myself repeatedly over the last year or two saying, the problem with you is, is you're too young, right? And then I think to myself, man, did I hate that when people said that to me. <laughs> Nevertheless, the problem with them is they're still too young. So, uh, because why? Or You know, another way I code, code this is, is you haven't suffered sufficiently. Um, and what happens with suffering is not only that you suffer, of course, and recover, but you also learn the way out and you develop great empathy for other people in their suffering. So if you never suffer you're not going to be any good at being a Christian. When you're tempted, you won't be tempted beyond your strength. And yet, Jesus is different after he spent time in the the wilderness with the devil than he was before. He grew in reason and stature, says the scriptures. Like you, when you're tempted and escape temptation... You know the way out, and you know that you weren't abandoned by the father, your papa, who put his name on you and who is next to you at all times. Right? And then, when you're delivered, you're more useful to him than you were before. Because you'll bump into somebody who is going through the same thing you are, something like it, and you can say to them, um, when you pray, God gives you what you ask or something better. Or you can say to them, well, the body and blood's inside you. If, if Satan is going to destroy you, he'll have to destroy the body and blood inside you. But he gave that a go already on Good Friday, and that didn't work out. So you're safe, even though it's terribly, terribly painful, Mother Teresa Pain isn't permanent. So you're all the way there then, and the Lord gives you this big finish. Yours is um, the kingdom and the power and the glory, which is how you talk about people who have won the day, and then the synthetic amen, which is, yes, more please. I'm in on that. That's for me, right? And so kingdom and power and glory is kind of this big finish of saying, this is the way life works, Right? It works just the way your entire life can be summed up in the Lord's Prayer. This is the way life works. And it doesn't work any other way. This is it. Now, if you start to take all your prayers and concerns, and you begin to sort of hang them on hooks, you've you um, you got somebody that you just can't abide, or somebody who has hurt you deeply, or the pain is very much intense, Or um, you've just lost your job. And part of what you all have to remember, of course, is that you know, along with all the money talk about other things, it's a disgrace for a church to have poor people in the sense of those who would not have a place to go or would. It's a thing that's not named among Christians, right? So there's so much to do here. My point is you can pray whatever you want, but you never need more than this. Now I'm going to encourage you to more than this, but you never need more than this. Um, so you know, I, how does that strike you? I know that this is uh, can strike as a strangeness sometimes. And um, what I'm trying to encourage you is to let the Lord's concerns be bigger than your concerns, and to align your concerns with His concerns, to want what He wants for you, as opposed to want what you want for you. And the Lord, the Lord's prayer is brilliant. The brilliance of it is that Jesus prays this all the time, morning and evening, and he ends up being crucified. He goes to, you know, Gethsemane, and he gets betrayed. And his father abandons him, which means he never abandons you, and he resurrects him, which means you'll be resurrected. This prayer is your story. This is it, right? So if I could just encourage, if you didn't do anything else but this, you'd be fine. Um, do this, but then do other things, too, and that's sort of where we're going. How you doing? Okay. Carol Tonys, you're a nice woman. Beautiful, too. In the Bible. Oh, I tried to deflect her there. You see how she wouldn't have it? <laughs> that's the mark of a true Christian. In the Bible. The Lord's Prayer does not include, I don't think that has part, the diamonds the Yeah. Up and down. What uh, does that come It was a common way of um, closing out Jewish prayers. <clears throat> sometimes it appears, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but it was the way that we might start a prayer, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, or um, the way we use the benediction. It was just a common way that people ended up their prayers. All pious Jews would just say this anyway, right? So it's sort of like this. If Jesus didn't say it, he should have said it, or he didn't say it, but everybody knew he was saying it, right? So we just, it's a, it's just a, it's like a, it's a presupposition. It's like, you know, say you were at St. John, you just know the bell ringers are going to ring once a month between September and May. You don't even have to talk about it, you just know it's going to happen. It's like that. It's the bell ringing end to the Lord's Prayer. How's that? Good enough? Questions about any of that? Yes, please. The, the Lord's Prayer um, in, say, the Roman Catholic, the pastor's way, was you know, just go say to our fathers. Going to, to, to me, when someone does that and it's just so broken, the way you lay the Lord's Prayer out today, it, it takes thought and faith to go approach it As opposed to sometimes. The Lutherans just automatically. Oh, God I say the Lord's Prayer. It becomes so rote that doesn't have the same meaning as when you really sit down and, uh, and meditate on what you're saying. And, uh, to me, the, to, the, my prayer life has gotten stronger because I've taken time to really think and, and, and converse with God rather than just. If I was a Cappadocian father living in a cave, and you crawled through the desert with no food or water to save me, save, and said, what? I, this is what I do, what could I do better? I would say, Bruce, forget all the other prayers you ever know, and say the Lord's Prayer a thousand times a day till you come to a greater consciousness. So you're right in one sense, although it's not helpful um, to sort of say... Those people over there do that. You have no idea what people are thinking about or doing. And to accuse other people of rote is a common anti-liturgical practice and not very helpful. And also to say bad things about other people, doesn't even other Lutherans, doesn't help that much. Here's what I would say to you. Um, If you've mastered the other side, then do this. Say the Lord's Prayer 100 times a day. Do that for two years and come back to this very spot at 1044. And we'll talk about it. You will be a different person. Now, of course, if you don't do this, you will never know. (laughs) All right, let's go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. I didn't obviously get through, you know, a bunch of stuff, but we'll meet next week and see what happens. All right, love you. Thanks, bye.